Hi, I'm Hannah, team manager with the Orange Arrow Players Association, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field. Please consider making a play by giving, hosting a friend raiser, subscribing to our podcast and YouTube channel, and staying connected on social media at Orange Arrow PA. Visit orangearrow.org for more information. Thank you for listening. Take aim. Welcome to Inside the Play Call with Orange Arrow, and I'm your host, Sean Robinson. And today, we have a very, very special guest, Carmen, a.k.a. former Pittsburgh Post-Gazette Athlete of the Year, Carmen Bruce. What's up, Carmen? How are you? Hi, Sean. How are you? It's so good to be with you today. Yeah, so good to see you. Good to see you. You got Carmen Renee on the pod. Really appreciate you taking the time to, to join the pod. I, I briefly mentioned about you being the female athlete of the year. We're going to get into your sporting career. Okay. But as an athlete, you understand the importance of stretching, right? And warming up. <laughs> right? Yep. I, got a, yep. I got a couple, I got a couple warm-up questions. You ready? All to right. Go? All right. Let's go. Get ready. Let's go. I got my I got my Gatorade. I'm good. I'm good. Let's go. Let's go. If you're going to listen to one musical artist. For 30 days straight, who are you selecting? Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder, without a doubt. Without a doubt? (laughs) What a coincidence. I don't know if you heard it. Before you joined the pod, as we were starting to Zoom, I like to play music to kind of get in the vibe. This was literally the song I was playing. What are the chances? Oh my god! Stevie Wonder, and I was playing Stevie Classic. Now, 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 we didn't plan that. That was not planned. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Now, now, I'm I'm gonna call you out now. Do you do you know the name of that song? It's a tough one. Oh, I don't know the name of it. I know, I mean, but it's kind of tough because I don't think he actually says the, the title yeah. of the song in the lyrics. It's Sir Duke. Sir Duke, that's right. Sir Duke. Sir Duke. Yeah. Sir Duke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sir Duke. <laughs> <laughs> you have the option to play against your arch rival in basketball. Okay. Would you rather score 30 points against that individual or hold her or him to zero? <laughs> See, that this is a tough one. This is a tough one. I think in any sport, it would be the most impressive feat to hold a team, an individual to zero points. I mean, football, basketball, you know, whatever you're taking uh, into consideration. But if my team needed me to score 30 points to win, I would do that too. Um, but individually, I, I'd love to hold someone to zero points. That's just like- So you want zero, that's your final I, answer. I would go with zero, I would go with zero. Favorite TV show of all time? Golden Girls. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of the theme song thank you for being a, that that is a classic classic song, and that's a great choice so i'm actually gonna like call myself out a little bit here i actually enjoyed the golden, the golden girls right? <laughs> Listen, i do i do just like stevie wonder the golden girls stand the test of time that's why i like i i, I just love both of them nice nice you have a little bit of an old soul there don't you i do yep between yep. the two of them Favorite character on the Golden Girls? Oh, Who's your girl. I would probably go with Rose. 
No. Betty White. There's only one correct answer, Sophia. Everybody says Sophia, though. That's, that's why. It. That's the right answer. <laughs> Rose is like two, maybe three. The first, the correct answer. Hey, speaking of standing the test of time, Betty White just turned 99 years of age. I so saw that. That's she's incredible. doing something right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I stand back. I stand back. Carmen, take us back. Young Carmen, where are you from? Early beginnings, early in action with sports. Take mm -hmm. it away. Sure. So Carmen Bruce, so excited to be here, uh, you know, this afternoon talking to you guys, talking to you, Sean. Um, I'm a Pittsburgh girl, born and raised. I spent some time outside the city, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, but, um, you know, humble beginnings just came from a really solid family core foundation. I have an older sister and a younger sister, so I'm stuck right in the middle. I think sometimes I do have that middle kid syndrome. I want to be friends with everybody and I hate conflict. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a hard time taking the side. Um, I'll just be everybody's friend. Uh, but yeah, I, I went to Shenley High School um, and it was a phenomenal high school. It's now since closed here in the city right. of Pittsburgh, not too far uh, from where you went to college at Pitt, actually just right down the hill from there. Yep. Um, and like I said, great, great school. But I think um, even before that, uh, even before Shenley High School, um, my sisters and I, we actually went to private school from kindergarten through eighth grade. And while in that setting, sports wasn't a huge part of what we were doing, the academic foundation was tremendous. So mm. our parents, I think, in the very beginning thought, you know, let's get these girls invested academically um, and we'll see what kind of goes from there. So we spent um, eight years at Winchester Thurston, which is a- oh, Winchester, okay, yes. Up in Oakland as well. Um, and then went over to Shenley. Um, and we played all types of sports, but we did so many different things. Our parents, I think, their number one goal was to make sure that we were, were well-rounded. So we- right. Um, danced and we swam and we of course played basketball and we ran track and we um, you know went to, to study skills camp and now when I think about it it was wow. a great experience yeah back in the day my sisters and I were like what yeah yeah I'm still now you're back in the day today I'm like I don't know if I'm signing up for that it's probably valuable though it's paid <laughs> off it's paid off it's one of those things where you gotta you know grow up to appreciate it I absolutely did but while we were going through it, we were like, where, why did they send us to a study skills camp? You know, but I think, again, it was really for an effort, you know, to make sure that their kids um, had a lot to offer, even at such yeah. a young age, you know. Study um, skills camp. So now, you, now, was that your more of your mom's idea or your dad's idea? Because <laughs> I know your dad, Mr. Kirk Bruce, he was in administration when I was at Pitt. Who made that decision, you think? Yeah. You'd actually be surprised, you know, um, while our dad was very influential on the sports side, he wanted to make sure that we had it going on with, with the books too. I, I think it that. was because, you know, he was a coach and right. he understood that there were two sides. There was the athletic side and there was the academic side. And he was um, the coach of a female sports team. So having three daughters, you know, I think it really made him, you know, every day when he would go to work and he'd see what was going on, he wanted to make sure that his kids were in the right, going down the right path. Um, so I think it's a little bit of both. There it is. There it is. So you, you, you mentioned dance. What style of dance? Like the tap, ballet, hip hop? <laughs> I think we were supposed to be doing all of it, but we weren't very good. <laughs> but it was mostly ballet. I remember we went to Lori's Academy of Dance. Uh, we were so young and it was the whole deal, the leotards and, and we also did gymnastics. So, um, you know, it was, it was, it was interesting. It was interesting. 
I always wanted to uh, learn to tap dance. Mm. I wish that's something that I, I would have, uh, you know, at least my parents would have put me into when I was younger. When I got became older, I should have took took that because I was a huge, I don't know if you know, familiar with tap, like Savion Glover. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, uh, they, I went to a Broadway play, Bringing the Noise, Bringing the Funk. Like, wow. I really admire those who are able to tap dance. Oh, yeah. So, 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 ballet, so you didn't try to, you weren't the uh, Misty Copeman of Pittsburgh. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I think I did the ballet community a favor, not sticking with it. Um, but I'm still very impressed with dance in general. You know, there's just, again, very similar to sport, so much dedication, so right. much drive. You know, it starts at a very young age. If you really want to be something, you've got to continue. I, I know when we were at Shenley, um, my sisters and I, they had a, um, like a sister program with Pittsburgh Ballet Theater. And so we actually went to school with students that were studying ballet at PDT. And then they would come over to Shenley halfway through the day to take the rest of their courses. And I just hmm. used to look up to them like, one, I, I couldn't do it. They were just so impressive. It was a, a yeah. style or genre I could never master. And then they would, you know, be there at uh, Pittsburgh Valley Theater from seven o'clock in the morning, come back over to, to school to, to be a regular student. Um, right. I mean, just so much dedication that I, I don't know if I would have been able to do that. So I, I, was, I was impressed, lots of respect for them. So shout out to uh, Pittsburgh Ballet Theater. So we've had relationship with them over the years, exposing our young people, especially our, our, young, our young boys, student athletes to different things. And ballet is, is one of them because there's been a number of athletes that is, uh, like NFL athletes who have credited ballet with flexibility, strength, things of that nature. Right. And so we've actually, they opened up the doors. We took a group of students behind the scenes, practice. It was almost like two days, like you work, you, you know what I mean? Right. You mess up, start over again, what have you. And they yep. even came to actually uh, campus to one of our summer academies and took them through a stretching routine. Oh. Those young 11, 12 year old boys were out there hurting. Like, <laughs> See, yeah, y'all need to be more flexible. Y'all let me know. Like, right. better touch your toes. That's but but right. I think they came away with a better appreciation for for the art and for the craft. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and yeah, basically, it's really about exposure. Exactly. Absolutely. Well said. So, so Shinley, talk about your time at Shinley. I mean, yeah. I, I mentioned that you were Pittsburgh Post Gazette Female Athlete of the Year. You put in the work at Shinley. So, <laughs> so, so, talk about your time playing hoop at Shinley. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Shenley, like I mentioned, we started off in private school. So Shenley was a big transition at first from us, for us to go from private education to public education. Um, you know, taking the PAT bus, which is our public transportation, um, you know, here in the state of Pittsburgh, taking the PAT bus to school and staying after for practice and just very different than what you would imagine private school life being, you know. And so again, going back to that well-roundedness, I think now we've taken this step. My sisters and I took a step from private school to public school to see, you know, what the what the world really was like, you know. Yeah. Um, and so when we started playing basketball, it was tough because you know we just didn't have that exposure to um, such competition. You know, private mm. school again, like it was it was good. I, I shouldn't knock it at all, um, but it was just a different type of athlete that we went up against at Shenley. Um, partner that with the fact too that Shenley was an international studies program. Um, the, the school itself, the academics was just as tough as if we were going to private school. So at that point, I think we really found um, something that was just going to build our future. Mm. But as far as the basketball was concerned, you know, I don't know if there's many athletes out there that have had the opportunity to play with family members. I know there's some, but I, I was going to ask you about, 
if you are able to play. Yeah, yeah. So my older sister's just two years older than me, and my younger sister's just about two and a half years, three years younger than me. Um, so I had the chance to play with both. Again, got to be in the middle. So that was one really cool thing. <laughs> to be able to play with both. Um, and when I think about my older sister, you know, she had been at Shenley for two years before I got there, had made all these great friendships, had kind of like made a name for herself. So I was just kind of tagging along as her kid's sister. That was so special. You know, again, I don't know if I would have been able to make that transition from private to public without having her support. Um, and then when my younger sister came along and we were able to, able to play in city championships and state games and all that kind of stuff, travel together in high school, it was just so much fun. No cooler feeling than being there with my sisters. Um, our teams were great. You know, I had the opportunity to play yeah. with really awesome Shenley teams. I know um, Pitt has recruited on the men's side um, and, and had a lot of excellent players that came from Shenley and, and played at Pitt. Um, so it, it was- Dewan came from there, right? Dewan came from there. That's right. Yeah, Dewan Blair, yeah. Yep, yep. yep. Great, great career at Pitt and then professionally. Um, but yeah, I mean, for us, sports came naturally. We, again, my father coached. My aunt Jennifer played at the University of Pittsburgh as the second high, um, leading scorer there, male or female. Um, my cousin Shayla, she graduated in 2011 from Pitt. She, she was a successful, had a successful career there. Um, I've had uncles and other cousins. Everybody has played or coached in some capacity. Well, well, then I got to ask, how were the family reunions? And y'all had to get together on the court and compete. Y'all had to. <laughs> right about now, since everyone's getting older, it's just a lot of talking stuff. Um, well, how about but, back then? <laughs> back yeah. then, yeah, I think back then it was more of, yeah, we'd get out there and play, but it was just more of the analyzing of the game, the X's and O's, you know, watching games together. It's almost like when you, um, you know, you read a book. Okay, and you study the book and then you have to do a book report on it and then you learn how to really dissect that book. And then the next yeah. book you read, you can't read it for fun. You know, you're just constantly dissecting the book. <laughs> That's how it is after coaching and playing, now watching a game, you're not a fan. You're a commentator. You you're analyzing yeah. the game, you know. So that I think that's what our 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 I almost said our team, our family, which is a team. Right. That's what is a team, do. right? That's what we do. Yep. Like even video <laughs> games. <laughs> We're analyzing the guys from the video games. <laughs> what, what athletes did you look up to growing up yeah. outside of your family? Yeah, outside of the family. Um, you know, of course, I got to say Michael Jordan. I loved Michael Jordan um, for just all yeah. that he's, you know, what the, their teams did in the 90s and just the support that he's given to the game. Um, uh, he, he'd be a top guy for me. Um, Penny Hardaway, he was another one. I just love this Ooh, game. That was around yeah. the time. For the youngsters out there, you know, Penny Hardaway was around the time where like marketing became a thing. Like they had little yes. Penny, his little. Yes, I was going to say. That. Around. <laughs> and that was by um, the voiceover was uh, Chris Rock. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, so the, he he brought something a different element to the game as far as just like you know creativity and and, and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I'd say the any two female, of them. any female athletes. Marion Jones. Yeah, Mary yeah. Jones. So she yeah. was a two-sport athlete, phenomenal yeah. um, track runner, played basketball at North Carolina, um, you know, did some really awesome things for Title IX, for women in general. I'd yeah. say she probably would be top female athlete for me. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, in her heyday, yes, yeah, she was at the top. My, yep. I would say my favorite female athlete is Flojo, Florence uh, Griffin-Joyner. Yeah. 
I mean, not only the way she competed and blew out everybody, her swag too, though. Like, you couldn't touch Flo Jo. That's right. You couldn't touch Flo Jo. Like Usain Bolt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, true story. Mm-hmm. How was the recruiting process for you coming out of high was, school? Yeah, coming out of high school. Um, so we were we were pretty lucky when we were playing high school. You know, my father was coaching at that time or had just finished coaching at that time. So he had built so many relationships with um, some of the, the coaches that started recruiting us. Um, I had a chance to play on a travel team or an AAU team um, filled with like top talent in Western Pennsylvania. So we were traveling to Orlando and North Carolina and Michigan, and we were going all up and down the East Coast. Um, and I think because of a lot of the ties that my dad still had to the old Big East and to pit basketball and, um, you know, just the fact that he um, just really knew the recruiting process, I felt like I was set up for success. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say I didn't work hard and, and have fun along the way. Of, co- of course I did that, but the recruiting Definitely. process for me, I think was different than maybe your traditional student athlete, because I had this know-how or this understanding of what it was going to be like having listened to my dad make recruiting phone calls and tagging along with him when we would go to see girls, um, you know, the, the students that he would be uh, evaluating high school games. So I kind of knew what was, I was expecting. So like the first summer that, telephone calls started to come. I had my little notebook and I had things oh, right. figured out <laughs> and I had my pros and cons lists already established. You know, I, I'm dating myself, but this was before the, you know, the real internet. So I couldn't really right. do much, um, you know, uh, research on these schools, rather, Googling, right. you know, um, rather than just asking the coaches questions when I would talk to them on the phone. So I want to give a lot of credit to my dad, just preparing me for that, almost like interviewing the colleges and the programs as much as they were evaluating me because that was just so important to select the best school that I could, that I would have, you know, a, a great athletic career, but even more so academically. And then just in general for life's purposes. And so coming out, you selected Georgetown. Yeah. Yeah. So I started DC. out in Georgetown in DC. So I was in Washington, DC, the, the um, head coach and, and the staff there, um, that recruited me were phenomenal. Um, they had been there for a while. And then when I thought about, again, the opportunity to study at a university that was going to build character other, along with what I was going to be able to get from it athletically, um, Georgetown was the perfect fit. And I was, oh yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to pause right there. Yeah. Georgetown, growing up, I thought Georgetown was an HBCU because of <laughs> Because of watching basketball, being a fan of oh, basketball, Patrick watching Newman. John Thompson, <laughs> yep. so the black head coach, you got Alonzo Mourning, you got Dikembe Mutombo, <laughs> then you got AI, like, that's the HBCU. <laughs> I, I, I don't know when it hit me, and I realized H, Georgetown was not an HBCU. No. I, I could not be the only person who thought Georgetown was an HBCU. No, HBCU, I think there's many the others. Yeah, there, there were many <laughs> others. That's so funny that you mentioned that, <laughs> because what I was going to say is when I – first started at Georgetown this summer that I was going into my freshman year I actually participated in what they called CMEA so it was Center for Minority and Educational Affairs so they had a program dedicated to students that were underrepresented at the school you know um, black minorities Latino minorities women athletes um, you know all across the board folks that were coming from immigrant families so for you to think that it was HBCU <laughs> it's perfect it's perfect but they did their part in making sure that minorities were appreciated <laughs> that's great now did you get a chance to meet coach Thompson 
So John was not there when I was um, starting. He had just retired, but he was around. He was around. Yeah, so yeah, I know he was still around even after we Yeah, retired. there was this. Um, so if you're familiar with with the DC area where Georgetown's located, you know, again yes. back in the old Big East, when when you think about before these beautiful arenas were built, field houses are where people play. So you've got the field house right. Pitt, Villanova, Connecticut back in the day. And Georgetown, it was McDonough Fieldhouse. And in McDonough, where we played our games, there was this like, um, like behind the scenes, like gym that you could go to that no one really knew existed. So if the men were practicing and we couldn't use the court, we could go to this back um, side, this like side gym and play. And okay. I remember one time we were, we had individuals, we were shooting around and John Thompson was like having some meeting with somebody. And I just remember like shooting free throws, thinking to myself like, oh my God, right. John, I mean, well, he's not looking at me. He's talking about whatever he's talking about, you know? So that was the closest I had been to him. I was so nervous to go up to him. Plus I was in the middle of practice, so I really couldn't. Um, but from what I saw from afar and how he impacted the university, incredible man, you know, it sure is, is definitely missed. Now, how was the transition from being a high school student athlete you're at home you're in pittsburgh and then now you're what four hours away at, at georgetown i know i think you might have well maybe you got family there now but i'm yeah. not sure you got family during that time but how was that transition yeah that was tough you know i i'd like to think that i was prepared to go down there and play and and survive the, the you know the that first year it was it was um it was quite the transition um i remember vividly in one of the practices we were going over two three zones and at that point, I was just beat. We had run suicides and play pickup. And I mean, it was just one of those practices. Okay. And then it was time to, to work on this zone. And I just had to, I, I put my hands on my knees and I bent over. I'm just trying to catch my breath. I remember our assistant coach said, so are you tired? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm exhausted. You know, my parents taught me not to lie. And I remember after that, of course, they put us right back on the line. And one of my teammates said, like, Carmen, you can't admit it. I'm like, but he asked, I mean, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> so lo and behold, that was a lesson learned as a freshman was, you know, just stick it out. Even if you're completely exhausted, you know, just figure out a way. Don't show them that you're limited, you know, which I think is a life lesson. Um, but other than that, you know, that, that picked up once I started playing in games and, and got that, um, you know, the real reason I was there, you know, um, that was okay. I think the competitive side is what drove me. Um, academically, it was it was tough. You know, Georgetown's a very high academic school, so I had to make sure I drew on all those study skills and all the work that I had right. put together in high school to make sure that I'd have a successful academic career as well. Um, but I cannot lie, the, the first few months of freshman year were very difficult. And so at, at some point, you decided to transfer to another university. What's some of the thoughts um, that went into that, that decision? Yeah. So I mentioned I'm a, I'm a Pittsburgh girl and a lot of Pittsburgh girls are, are homebodies. You know, that's just how Pittsburgh people are. You can go away, but for some reason, the city of Pittsburgh just draws you back. You know, it's just a really great environment and, um, you know, it's just a great place to be. And, and being born and raised here, tons of family still here. Um, and I was just at that point missing home a bit. But then on top of that, um, there was a coaching staff change. So this, the staff that recruited me and, and been there my first two years, they took a, uh, another job at University of Penn. 
And so for me, you know, again, kind of like family being everything, I had built such strong bonds with them from the time that I was getting recruited as a sophomore in high school until my sophomore year in college. I mean, four or five years is a long time when you're just a young girl. And, um, you know, I wasn't certain what was going to be happening, who they were going to bring in, but I knew that um, those coaches were so dedicated and the relationships were so strong that I knew I wouldn't be able to find that again. Um, but the opportunity presented itself for me to go to Duquesne University here in the city of Pittsburgh, be around my family. So I knew no matter what, I'd still have them as a support system, you know, now being 20 minutes from campus than four hours. Right. So what time frame was it after your freshman year, sophomore year? So that was after sophomore going into summer my junior year. I, and, and then now um, some of the rules have changed the NCAA. I know you don't have to sit out now um, when you transfer, but back then you did. So I sat out the summer of my sophomore going into my junior year. I had to redshirt that year and wasn't able to play, just practice with the team, wasn't able to travel. Um, so I had a chance to really like dedicate myself again academically, um, got a couple semesters ahead. Uh, so then my final year, um, while I was at Duquesne, I was um, considering taking some grad school courses. Um, but Duquesne, another strong academic school, um, right. they competed in the Atlantic 10. Um, so it really was a great move, I think, for me in the end. So I, I, I want to pause there because a number of athletes have been faced with that same scenario of new, new coaching, new hire, they, they come and go. And, and, and new, new coaches have come in. Do I stay? Do I leave? Now right. it's called a transfer uh, um, portal. Like, yeah. like, how was that going from, like, Georgetown and then coming back home to Pittsburgh Duquesne? Like, like, like mentally, like, did it feel okay? Or did you feel like, dang, like, did you feel like you let yourself down, let others down? Like, talk about that. Because yeah. a lot of student athletes um, have been faced with that and facing that to this day. Yeah, that's a good point. In the beginning, when I first transferred to Duquesne and I was sitting out, it's like the worst thing that could ever happen to a student. I mean, you know, having injuries, same thing. Like you just don't know what's next. The uncertainty of what you're about to embark in is, is difficult. You know, um, there were times where I was like, I, I shouldn't have done this. I should have stayed at Georgetown. Talk about, you know, overcoming an obstacle. If, if the new coaching staff came in and it wasn't what I was expecting, well, I could have used that as motivation or something, you know, I could have, I could have figured it out, but the draw for my family, for me was so strong that that's kind of what I relied on, you know, family okay. and friends. Um, if I had to say that to student athletes today, um, you know, a lot of students I think are transferring because, um, they didn't do their research. They don't know what to expect when they get there. They, you know, maybe just have a, a rash decision and then they sign and that's it. And they get there and it's not what they expected. Um, you know, you've got to go back to that young Carmen getting recruited and have a pros and cons list of why you're at an institution. Now, if a coaching staff changes, that's a little bit difficult, but then that's when it you is. go back, you know, some other programs might always have the door open for you. So for me, I was lucky. Duquesne was a school that recruited me when I had initially started the recruiting process. I had four relationships there. So it was kind of like a natural move when it was time to transfer. So, you know, I, I, that, that was, that was okay. But I mean, I've seen some students transfer from one school and then not be happy and then sit out another place and not be, I mean, that, that can be a lot on a young person, yeah. you know? So as much research as you can do in the beginning, I think is great. If you have no other, um, you know, if, if the only option is to transfer, then you just have to make the best of it. Yeah, good advice, good advice. So what did you major in at Duquesne? Yep, so I um, graduated with a um, business administration degree. 
I thought that I um, was going to grow up and be Pat Summit, be the head coach of some awesome women's basketball program. And I thought that I needed some like management skill set there. Um, University thought, of Tennessee legend, legend. Pat Summit. Yeah. Man, John Thompson and Pat Summit, like, it don't get too much better than those two individuals. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yep. I remember yeah. when, I, when I was at Shenley, I got one of those form letters from Tennessee, you know, like, hey, we're interested. Maybe you can come to a camp. And I told my parents, like, Pat Summit signed this. Right. Like, no. It was her secretary, but that's cool. <laughs> right. right. I framed yeah, that. Oh, my gosh. You didn't think I'm they were going to Tennessee. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> I could go on and on about Pat Summit. She, was, she is. She's a legend. Definitely. Um, see, and I got my mind on Pat Summit. I forgot what the question was. <laughs> no, I mean you can talk about Pat and UT, UT basketball. Who um who was did Shamika go there? Shamika Hallsfall went there. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um Kelly Jolly went there. Kelly Jolly's now a, a women's basketball coach having a successful career at um Southern Methodist, I think she's at. Um UT had a Ketchin. factory. Oh, they were, yeah, oh, Carol yeah. Lawson, Carol Lawson's coaching at Duke. I mean, they were just so, so good. Yeah, really yeah. Good. Now it's UConn and everyone else, it feels like. Yep, <laughs> everyone's part. chasing UConn. That's right, everyone's chasing UConn. Wait, wait, you know who's doing a good job, though, now? Um, Staley. Oh, Don Staley, yep. Don. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very They're consistent. Competing. Very yeah, consistent. Yeah, they are. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so business administration degree. Yeah, sorry, business administration. No, no, you're great, great. <laughs> After college. After yeah. college. What did you do? So after college, um, immediately after college, I um, wasn't certain what I, I, I didn't know how to get into coaching. I thought, you know, let me, let me take some time. I didn't knew I didn't want to continue to play. Um, coaching was on my mind, but then I thought about grad school. So I had a couple different things going on. I took a, a full-time job as an executive assistant to a woman that owned a supply chain company. And at the time, supply chain was something that women were really getting into. Um, and it was, um, you know, just for me, it was really cool logistically, like to figure out how products get transported from, you know, the beginning of their formation to the customer. And that was something that was interesting to me. So I took a, took this job as, as an executive assistant and she was tough. I mean, it was the CEO of this organization and I had to manage her calendar and manage her books and the, the relationships and all of that. Um, and I did that for about five months and I was ready to go back to school at that point. So I went full-time back to school. Um, I went to Duquesne again. I had Duquesne, a, okay. Yeah, so I, I loved my undergraduate experience at Duquesne enough to go back for grad school. Um, I took a part-time job in their marketing department. So I was working with the women's um, soccer team and the men's soccer team, doing their marketing and um, you know working on their fan base and ticketing and, and things like that. And then after about seven months of doing that, an opening came available on the women's basketball coaching staff. And at that point, I was like, I got to do this. You know, it was like perfect right. timing. Um, you know, I'm just so, um, you know, in all of what my dad did as a coach that I knew eventually I would get there. Um, and so I took the opportunity when it, when it came available in 2008. Um, I was still going to grad school, so I was trying to manage both. Um, yeah. Did some recruiting, some player development. I was such a young coach. You know, I was actually coaching some of the players that I had played with. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. So right. that, part, that was that was pretty cool, and it was so much fun. I really enjoyed my time at Duquesne coaching. So how long were you at Duquesne? So I was at Duquesne for almost five years, um, wow, okay. and yeah, we we had some really successful teams. Um, you know, again, having known what the college experience was like, I think 
made it a very natural move to coaching. Again, you know, having played with some of those girls and when we started recruiting, I knew what they were going through. I knew what their questions were. I knew what they were uncertain about. I knew what their parents were thinking. Um, you know, so recruiting at that level was something that I really um, took a liking to. You know, I just thought it was so important, again, to having been a transfer student for those, for the students that we were recruiting to understand and appreciate what went into selecting a university. So yeah. that's where recruiting like really picked up for me was um, at Duquesne. There for about, like I mentioned, five years. At that point, our, our staff had some success and we got promoted and uh, took the opening at the University of Pittsburgh. And I was there for four years. So, um, oh, wait, so who was the head coach then? Susie McConnell. Susie, okay, got mm -hmm. it, got mm -hmm. it. She's yep. a Penn State alum, right? Penn State alum, that's right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, she had to she had to hide those colors when she was at. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, I'm sure that was a little difficult for her. Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. One of my good one of my good friends. I don't know if he was there when you were there. You know, Eric Thatcher. I don't know that name. So that she played, um, he played football at Pitt, but now he's coaching at Penn State. So he has okay. that, 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 that juggling act. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So one thing I would like to know, so you talked about recruiting. Yeah. So I know one of the big things, especially uh, in, in football and basketball on the, on the boys side of things, male side of things, yeah. like they want to be professional athletes. Like, like, so if you're a recruiter, boom, if you're at Pitt, Aaron Donald went to Pitt, you know, Larry Fitzgerald went to Pitt, you know, so they, they Tony Dorsett, you know what I mean? So they talk about the NFL. I mean, right. obviously they talk about the university things of that nature. Like, was that similar? Was it different? I mean, were you talking about like WNBA or or like what would, how would you compare the two as it yeah. relates to like the young student athletes see on the female side? What would, what was some of the selling points you think that, uh, that they were most interested in? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think every student athlete's different. Um, but if we had to put a theme to it, I think for women, um, they knew that if they were to have a professional career, it wouldn't be as lengthy as their male counterparts, um, maybe not as lucrative as their male counterparts. And then there's also this option of once I graduate, maybe play a little bit, I might want to start a family. So there's just, you know, but that's not every female student athlete. There, right, there could right. be some women that, you know, I, I know like Diana Taurasi right now, she's She's got to be close to 40 and she's still balling out. I know Sue Bird is still out there. Still <laughs> killing, it. killing it. Killing it. In the space, out of the space, wherever it's they unbelievable. The ball. Let's go. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But I think generally speaking, when we were recruiting, um, you know, student athletes, both at Duquesne and at Pitt, um, we needed girls that wanted to be competitive because we were playing in competitive conferences. But, you know, they also had to be able to manage the strict roles of the institution academically. So we had to, you know, really find that diamond in the rough that was going to just be this hard worker, this dedicated student athlete, both on and off the court. Um, and we played on that because it was like, hey, you know, Jane Doe, you're going to have a successful basketball career. We already know that. But like, what's going to be next for you? Like, have you, have you figured out what your impact is going to be on this world either in sports or outside of it. So it was just really finding what made that individual tick. Um, for a lot of the girls, it was, you know, what are the additional clubs that I could be a part of outside of basketball? Because again, I just want to maybe belong to um, a sorority or fraternity, sorority, whatever the girls do. Um, yeah, sorority. Yep, sorority. Yep. Um, or, you know, whatever major is going to be best for me so that I can have a successful career after playing. 
Um, you know, I think that they all were really focused on how close in proximity they were to their parents, if their family mm. could watch them play. Um, so a lot of times when you watch or you, you see these rosters out there on women's bas- on the women's basketball side, mostly those girls are like in-state or regional. You're really not going to see a girl go from the West Coast to the East Coast, East Coast to the West Coast. It might okay. happen. It might happen, right. Um, right. but not generally speaking. So for, for women, for female student athletes, I think it was just like, a, a, a plethora of items that would make your program marketable outside of just the sport. Mm. So when was your last year coaching at Pitt? I left Pitt in 2017. So it's almost okay. four years. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. one of the reasons I, I bring that up because one of our former interns, you coached her, Bubbles. Yes. Bubbles. I didn't realize so Bubbles, Bubbles interned with you guys. Yeah, he she oh. interned, uh, I think, I think maybe it was her senior year. Okay. She interned. And so uh, Bubbles was 6'11". At yep. one point in time, she was the tallest uh, girl in the world, I think. Maybe it, at like least, that. I think she it was, was like on this girl. side. Of, yeah, unbelievable. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. 6'11". And so I don't, know if, I don't know if you remember, she used to date one of the basketball players. He actually interned for us the semester after Roosevelt. Uh, Ro, Ro, uh, yep. I can't think of his last name. Oh, he was so nice. Um, yeah, Big Ro. Uh, yeah, Big Ro. <laughs> I can't yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Ro, Rose, no. I can't think of Rosie, man. My, hey, Ro, Big Ro, man. I apologize, though. I can't think of your last name, but all know. <laughs> and so, and so, um, I one time I saw them together. I was like, if this last y'all get married, I'm going to be the, the agent of your children. Right? Because <laughs> Ro, 6 1, Ro Nix. Got it. Ro, yes, 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 Ro, yes, that's right. Ro Nix, Ro Nix. Mm-hmm. Ro 7 1, Bubble 6 11. Mm-hmm. But, but it probably turned out that if they if they were to got if they got would have got married and got a child probably like five child probably like five six something. that's true yeah they have a little Kevin Hart running around Although, right they would have had some really nice kids too because oh, they were goodness. both they just are really great sweet. people mm-hmm. they are they yep. really are yeah, yeah. So, uh, so how was it working with your dad work at the same university your dad yeah was, uh, was <laughs> Yeah. Did y'all, so run, did, y'all, time, y'all, did y'all like go to lunch together? Oh like, yeah, we would go to lunch together. We had this thing actually, Sean. It was really sweet. Um, he so he was working up at the field house and we were down at the Peterson Center. And so he would walk down the hill and he'd call me, you know, at the Peterson Center at the time before the, the most recent renovation, you could look out of your window, your your office, and you could see down on the court. And so he would call yeah. me from across the way when he'd come up the elevator. Okay. He'd call me. And then I have to turn around and wave to him, like the scene from Indiana Jones when the dad's getting ready to leave. It was hilarious. Every time he'd have to come to the peak, he'd call me and he'd do his little. <laughs> uh, it was awesome. Cute. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. But he would come and talk shop a little bit or just hang out when he was passing through. Um, you know, I, I, I now I think I can appreciate even more having coached at the same place that my dad coached. I mean, when you talk about, your hero, I think for, for both my sister, but for both my sisters and myself, um, you know, being able to manage what he did and, and, and coach other people's kids. He used to say that all the time, coach other people's kids, but then still be able to, you know, raise us right with our mom. Um, that was, that was really cool. And then, you know, flipping through media guides and seeing his name in there. I mean, that was just, it was awesome. That is great. That is great. Elite Pitt, what's next? I had no idea what I was doing when I, <laughs> all I knew was, is, you know, I had coached for about a decade for, I was going on my, into my 10th season. 
And at that point I knew I was ready for something different. I had no idea what that was. So honest to goodness, I took like three months off and I taught spinning classes and I worked out and I walked my dogs and I, you know, cooked meals and ate healthy and just kind of did nothing. And it was really enlightening, you know, just being able to like reflect and figure out like what, what would be next and not jump into anything. Um, and lo and behold, we have a really close family friend who said, you know, Carm, why don't you give PNC a try? And I'm like, think to myself, like, what the heck is a bank going to do with a basketball coach or a former athlete? Like, what, what okay. is that all about? Well, PNC, um, who I work for, PNC Financial Services here, headquartered in the city of Pittsburgh, they had a management program. It was an accelerated program where they took individuals from another industry and they literally taught you the banking. And so they wanted you to be able to bring with you a natural ability to lead, coach, develop, mentor. And they taught us the compliance, the day-to-day, the operations, the business banking, whatever was needed in order for you to be a successful branch manager in one of our business banking centers. So I was about a 10 month program. I signed up for it. I thought sounded great. I think I can do it. I jumped into the role and it was an experience. I mean, um, you know, it was very different than basketball. I was so, showing up in a business suit every day and not sweats. Um, right, right. You know, I was talking to adult customers, not recruiting anymore, you know, student <laughs> athletes. So it was, it was a very quick shift. Um, but the transition I think that played into my hands quite nice, nicely was the relationship building. So when you think about coaching, mm-hmm. you think about the very starting point, that's recruiting, building trust, you know, talking to someone, finding out what makes that student athlete tick in order to get them to come play for you. Well, that's the same when you're bringing on new clients. And that was my number one responsibility at the beginning as a branch manager was to build our book of business. And that was to gain individuals trust and sell a product or a service to them, just like I was selling a program to a student athlete. Same thing. It took some time for me to to understand that that's what I was doing. But I think about, you know, I, I had managed the bank for about a year and a half, I'd say six months in, I was rearing and ready to go. And, and it was very similar to coaching too, in the sense that I had employees, they were my student athletes. I had to coach them up. I had to motivate them to come to work every day, to be the best that they could be, to show up for our customers, um, which again, was a, very similar to coaching. If, if your student athlete doesn't show up ready to play the game, you lose. If your employee doesn't show up ready to work that day, you might lose a client. So same, same type of principles. Um, I just had to figure out how to coach and employee, I couldn't tell them to drop down and give me 15 pushups, you know, um, but it was still uh, a really fun environment to be in when I first transitioned into, into the bank. And I did that for about a year and a half. And so you mentioned, you mentioned the word relationships. That's something that we speak and share and harp on with our student athletes, both at the collegiate level and also at the grade school level. Speak yeah. to the importance and the power of relationships. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know how this world would go on without relationships, you know, in the professional setting in the personal setting, you know, given current events, what we're going through right now. Um, if you didn't have someone to be there for you right now, if you didn't have a relationship built with someone somewhere right now, how could you make it through quarantine? You know, how could you make it through um, just all the bad that's going on? When I think right. about professionally uh, without a doubt, where I've gotten to in my career has been because of the people I know and the relationships that I've built with them. I talk about that family friend that we had, 
if he wasn't, if we hadn't built the relationship that we had with him, I don't know what I would be doing with my career right now. I'd probably still be trying to teach spinning and, you know, living paycheck to paycheck or something. I don't know. Um, but he cared enough because our family, you know, had built that strong bond and built that relationship and built that trust. He was able to help me get my next, make my next career move. Um, you know, relationships just, they mean the world to me. And, um, again, I don't know where I would be without some of the folks that I've met and, and the folks I've had be a part of my life until now. The mission of Orange Arrows, to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field, off the track, out of the pool, Mm -hmm. off the court, wherever the playing arena may be, why is it important for a student athlete to be successful outside of their sport? Yeah, the mission of Orange Arrow, it's incredible. Um, You know, when I was doing some research and hopped online and just kind of reading through some things, um, what really stuck out to me, I think, was the opportunity for the mentor to be mentored by the mentee. So it's that reverse mentorship. Um, you know, when you think about a college student athlete and they're um, chatting with this a, a student in elementary school, like, of course, they know that they're going to, you know, be an inspiration to that student and they're going to be able to give back and that sort of thing. But at that point, the college, the college athlete, the college student athlete can say like, wow, what, what I've done in my life is impacting this young kid right here. It allows them to take a step back and, and really recognize what they've done is profound. And at the same time, you know, there might be a college student athlete that's talking to that young student that, um, you know, maybe didn't have the life that, that student had. And they can like go back in time and just recognize, you know, maybe just some differences that they see in their lives that they see in the, the elementary school students. So I really love that idea of, you know, the mentor sh- showing up to do their job, but then recognizing the fact that that mentee might be giving back to them. Mm, that's a win-win. Mm-hmm. Carmen, Renee, thank you for your time. As always, time is our most valuable asset. Appreciate you. Looking forward to uh, staying in touch and, and you supporting. And I get, we got to get you in front of more of our, our, uh, our female student athletes. What's I would love that. We love them and athletes. Great. So we're going to make that happen. Yeah, thank I would you. love that. Thank you so much, Sean. This was great. All right. Take care.